today's reading comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Jesus predicts his death. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The way of the cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. Thanks be to God for this his word. Well, friends, my setting for today's message is here in my office in front of my bookshelf. I've brought you in here today to actually point out a specific section of my book collection, and that is uh, the shelf on my leadership books, the leadership section of uh, my, my book collection. Most ministers will have a series of books, a collection of books on leadership ministers. These days try to be the best leaders they possibly can be. You'll find a section like this on the shelves of most ministers' bookshelves. But of course, it's not just ministers. It's, it's anybody that seeks to lead any sort of earthly organization. You'll find uh, leadership gurus putting out books and podcasts all the time. I like to listen to some myself in order that I might always be looking to improve myself about how I can be a better leader as the minister here at church in the marketplace. But it's not just even the theological section of a minister's bookshelf. I just had a look on my own bookshelf. I'm a student of, of history and I love reading about uh, Leaders throughout history, uh, of course, we've got uh, Nelson Mandela, of course. Uh, we've got uh, Eric Metaxas. I've shared his books with you before. He's written about uh, seven more men. He's also written about seven wonderful women down through history. Uh, this is his book on Martin Luther. That's a deep dive into Martin Luther. I've got others, others of his books at church in my office there. My current project is actually on the great James Cook, on Captain Cook. This is Peter Fitzsimons. A biography of James Cook, a wonderful read about a, a wonderful leader, uh, one of the world's great explorers, of course. And in fact, a great leader of men was James Cook. You see, the world loves a great leader, don't we? We all love a great leader. We all love reading about great leaders. And many of us desire to be a great leader and work towards uh, improving our leadership skills. But how does that sit when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. As Christians, we often talk about being a follower, a follower of Jesus. So I'm wondering, how does that work in today's world when we esteem leadership, when we when we elevate leadership to such a huge degree? I mean, think about it. We don't have global followership summits, do we? We, we, we don't make sweeping movies and great epic documentaries about great followers 
of history. No keynote speaker at any university graduation has ever stood up and charged the graduates to go and be the great followers of tomorrow. And no parent, no parent's heart has ever swirled with pride when some, someone comes up to them and says, you know, that kid of yours, he's a real follower. <laughs> It just doesn't sound right, does it? In fact, being a follower kind of has connotations of being weak or submissive or, or, or passive. We're all keen to be a leader. None of us put on our resume or highlight those times in our lives when we've exhibited great qualities of followership. But nevertheless, as I said, as followers of Jesus, we are called to, to follow. About the only time, I think, that we are called to be followers these days, other than to be a follower of Jesus, is to follow someone on Twitter or on TikTok or, or on Instagram or Facebook, on social media, where you are called to be a follower. And you follow someone, you, you follow all of their thoughts and activities, don't you? I remember when I first joined Twitter, uh, when before I worked out it was just a great big time waster, I actually became a follower of Jesus. When you signed up for Twitter, the algorithm suggested a lot of people, a few names, famous people who you might like to be a follower of, and Jesus popped up. So as a minister, what was I going to do? Not be a follower of Jesus. So sure enough, I clicked on the button and I became a follower of Jesus and received regular updates from this Jesus character uh, with a whole bunch of things and stuff stuff that he was doing. It was humorous, but in, in real life, of course, being a, a follower of Jesus involves a lot more than simply just clicking a button, doesn't it? It actually is going to involve getting your hands dirty in mission and doing some, some pretty difficult things. It's going to involve living the way Jesus lived, talking the way Jesus did, and doing the things that Jesus did in the way that he did it. It's going to be pretty tough stuff. If Jesus had have been around in the first if Twitter had have been around in the first century, Jesus would have had a lot of followers. But the real life Jesus in the first century was indeed quite popular by this time in our reading today from Mark chapter 8. If you've been following along in recent weeks and months, you know we've been following Jesus along in these middle chapters of Mark's gospel, and he's been on a barnstorming run through the regions. He's becoming very popular. He's been healing. He's been uh, exercising. He's been doing all sorts of miracles, and people are very keen to follow him, to find out what he has to say and what he has to do. So, so how about you? I mean, how are you keen? How keen are you to, to follow this Jesus, really? More than just a feed on a screen, are you genuinely keen to be a follower of this Jesus fellow? Because today he gives us a bit of a, a lesson into what that is really going to mean. He's been super popular, but today he actually puts a bit of a downer on things. In our reading today, he brings people back down to earth. He actually says the Son of Man, which is his title for himself, actually is, is going to be rejected by the rulers and the chief priests. He's going to be, in fact, killed and then raised to life. Now, Peter, the disciple Peter, didn't like the sound of this at all. This was no way to run a revolution as far as he was concerned. He thought he was onwards and upwards to worldly glory and power and prestige and acclaim. And so he didn't like this sort of talk coming from Jesus at all. He pulls Jesus aside and he says, 
Listen, Rabbi, this, this talk of, of death, it's just not going to wash. This is, this is no way to run the revolution that we're planning here. But Jesus, in one of the strongest rebukes in all of Scripture, says, Get behind me, Satan. Ouch. He says, You haven't got in mind the things of God, but the things of men, Peter. Pretty strong stuff from Jesus. But bear in mind, remember, this wasn't the first encounter. This wasn't the first temptation that Jesus had had. Jesus had been tempted by Satan out in the desert to divert away from his ministry, to, to, to sort of just, just take a detour, just, just seek a bit of worldly comfort, worldly acclaim for himself and, and put aside this agenda, his mission that he had for his heavenly father. And I think that's why you're seeing such a strong reaction from Jesus at this point, not towards Satan, but towards one of his own closest followers is tempting him to, to distort the mission. To just take a bit of a, a bit of a side road, a, a bit of a two, a bit of a detour, and, and and not go the way that his heavenly Father was, was calling him. So Jesus gathers all the disciples, all the people that are following. <laughs> he, they, he calls them to calls them to come in and have a listen. They've got something really important to tell you. He says, he says, if you want to be my follower, you you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me heavy stuff deny yourself take up your cross which meant going to your death let's be very very clear the only time you took up your cross was when you were being marched to your own death by the romans to your own crucifixion if you were carrying a cross you were a dead man walking that's the imagery that jesus is using here of taking up your cross dying to yourself it's difficult stuff. It's hard stuff. A lot harder than simply clicking a like button on social media. He then goes on to, to detail, to, to, to sort of unpack it a, a little bit, doesn't he? And Jesus goes on and, and, and he talks about if, if anyone wants to save their, their life, they're, they're actually going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. It seems to me here as though Jesus is actually after followers who are losers. He's encouraged them to lose their life. Jesus looks for losers. He's looking for, for followers who are going to lose anything that is going to distract them from being his follower. Who, wanting, who, who are keen to, to lose any sense of pursuing their own agendas. So I'm wondering, friend, what have you got to lose today? What is that you need to lose in order to follow Jesus? Maybe we do need some global followership summits. Maybe we, we do need some colleges encouraging people to be better followers. And in fact, when you think about it, every congregation is in, is, is in fact a, a kind of followership summit. We should indeed be encouraging each other to to be better followers of Jesus, to be losing the things that are not of Him, losing our own need for acclaim, losing our own sense of needing to push ourselves to the front all the time, losing our own agendas, losing our own desire for, for earthly acclaim and, and wealth and satisfaction. If we're 
chasing after those things, Jesus says they're actually going to slip through our fingers. It is only by letting go of those things, by dying to self, dying to those things, it's only then that we truly find our life, that we, that we truly live. So can I encourage you this week to be losers, <laughs> to be losers in order to be better followers of Jesus Christ. Lose everything that is, that is hindering you from being more Christ-like. Lose your own stuff, lose yourself, lose your very life, lose your own agendas and your own desires. Get up and die to them each day and say, here I am, Lord. I'm not living for you, not living for myself, Lord. I, I'm living for, for you this day. Let's be losing our, our fears. Isn't that a big one today that we need to lose? To, to lay aside, to put down our fears and our anxieties. What is it that you need to lose today? Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you this week to be a better follower and to be a loser? To lose your life, to willingly surrender it, to take up your cross. It's not something that is put upon you, but to willingly take up your cross, just as Jesus did for you. He willingly took upon the cross himself. He went to his death for you in order that you might live, in order that you might be reconciled to God, made right, made righteous, reconciled back in a right relationship with him. Praise God. It's the best news we could ever hope to hear. So let's go and do likewise. Let's go and be Christ-like this week to be followers of his and to be losers of all that is not of him. Let's deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus this week. Amen.